Friends, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, you are so good and you are so gracious and your blessings to us abound. I thank you so much for our band and for the love that they have for you, Lord, that clearly spills from their hearts in the form of song. I thank you, Lord, that you move us by using your very children. Lord, now as we look to you to understand your word, to understand you, I ask that you would speak to us. Empty me of me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use whatever words come out of my mouth to draw your children closer, to encourage them, to spur them forward. Give us open ears, open minds, and open hearts to receive the message that your spirit would speak to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a little girl named Annie. She was born on Christmas Eve in 1866 in a little town in New Jersey. And at the age of three, Annie lost her mother. Shortly after that, her father became so sick that... Um, he could not care for his children and was forced to give them up for adoption. And so Annie was separated from her siblings, many of whom she never saw again. But she was taken in by wonderful Christian family who raised her all the way until she graduated from high school. But shortly after high school graduation, her adoptive parents tragically died. This little girl or this young girl literally lost every single person in her life that she loved. Annie had dreamed of being a teacher, and she was able to continue her education and realize that dream. But shortly after she started her teaching career, she was diagnosed with a degenerative disease that left her unable to walk or to care for herself independently. And so Annie spent the remainder of her life in a sanitarium, confined to a wheelchair where other people had to provide for her physical needs. Friends, this woman lost her parents, her siblings, her dreams, her health, and her independence. And all of that loss and all of that, those horrific burdens that that girl was forced to bear, I tell you, I don't think I could have done it. I don't think I could have handled all of that. And I can't help but wonder, as Annie was going through all of those difficulties in her life, if there was maybe some well-meaning person in her life who tried to encourage her with the words that we Christians often use when we're trying to comfort somebody who's going through unbearable circumstances, which are, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that phrase before? Uh-huh, me too. How many of you have said that phrase before? Helping somebody out. How many of you think that phrase is scriptural? Okay. Well, I think that the sermon title of our series that we're in the middle, Is That in the Bible, gives away that answer. Because the truth is that God never said that. God never promised in his word that he wouldn't give us more than we could handle. He never said we wouldn't have troubles beyond that which we could bear. That's a misquote of a scripture that was written in a letter by Paul. And so today I want us to take a look at that scripture. And I want us to take a look at this saying that we say so often truly to make somebody to try and help them feel better. 
And I want to see if in understanding it and understanding our God and understanding his actual promises to us, maybe we can not just feel better, but we can be better. Okay? So first, let's look at the scripture that many believe this saying came from. And it's 1 Corinthians 10.13. We heard Pat read it this morning. And 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, the Greek word that Paul used is pyrosmos. Pyrosmos. And if you were to look to the English-Greek translation, you would see that pyrosmos translates to test or temptation. And I think that's where the confusion comes from. Because here's what happens. So often people will just like open their scriptures and they'll skydive down into a piece of scripture and they'll pluck it up out of its context and they'll hold it before you to say, see? See what that is? And in doing that, they can literally change the meaning and the intent of the scripture that was written. And I think that's what happened and where we got this from. So, if you were to take that word pyrosmos and you were to go to the dictionary and you see that it says test or temptation and you chose test because that fits right here, okay, for my friend who's having difficulty, you might hear that scripture like this. No test has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you have testing beyond what you can bear. He will not let you have testing beyond what you can bear. But when you have testing, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So can you see how someone got the idea that the Bible says that God won't give you more tests than you can handle? And what is a test but a difficulty, a burden, a circumstance that tries you at the very core of your tolerance? And I think this is where some people have gotten the idea that God won't give you more than you can handle. But that's not what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. Because if we keep this passage in its context in the Bible, and we look at the surrounding verses, and we look at what was going on in the culture in that time, we would understand it differently. Paul was writing this letter to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth was a port city in Greece, and it was famous for sexual immorality and pagan idolatry. Some not nice people lived in the city of Corinth. But when Paul founded a church there, the people of that church were people who came from that type of background, but now they knew Jesus and were trying to live their lives for Christ. But even though these people were trying to live their lives for Christ, all of those temptations were still around them. And so the temptation to fall back into those things and therefore sin was great. And Paul was trying to encourage them. If we look just a few verses before, we see that Paul even gives them the example of a time when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they gave in to temptation. And so if you leave the verse in its context, it's clear that Paul isn't saying that God won't give you more than you can handle. Paul is saying God will help you with temptation. And that's good for you and me to know. God will help us with temptation. But now that we're clear on that, I want to break down this saying that we use all the time for us so that we can see some of the other reasons why it is neither helpful nor true. 
So, first part, God won't give you. The thing that I dislike the most about this saying is that it implies that our burdens, that our circumstances, that our difficulties have been given to us by God. And that's just not true. I know that because our God is good. And our God is a God who loves us and who longs for us and who wants the very best for us. He proved that beyond the shadow of a doubt the day he sent his son to be our rescue. God gives what is good. And God gives what is helpful. God doesn't give us the difficult things of life. Psalm 25 says this, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. I guarantee you, friends, God is not up in heaven saying, well, <laughs> I'm going to give that one a little bit of suicide to deal with in her family. And this one, I'm going to give her overwhelming anxiety so she can't even function. God isn't doing that because God gives us what is good. Good and upright is the Lord. And James reminds us in the Bible, every good and every perfect gift comes where? From God. God gives us what is good. So God doesn't give you the arthritis in your joints. God doesn't give you the illness that you're struggling with. You struggle with those things because you live in a frail and broken body that wasn't designed to last forever, but was rather meant to be temporary. And God didn't give you the financial struggles, someone wasn't responsible with the money, and so the result is financial difficulty. God doesn't give us anxiety. He doesn't give us depression. He doesn't give us feelings of being lost. Those things happen because of the circumstances of the world that we live in, plus, coupled with, the undue pressure we put on ourselves to always be the one to handle it. How many of you handle it? I always have to be the one to handle it. I always have to be the one to handle it. But friends, we live in broken bodies, in a broken world, where people sometimes break one another with the things that we do. And often the result of all of that are the circumstances and the burdens that we ourselves cannot bear. But God didn't give us those things. That happened. God didn't ever promise that there wouldn't be terrible circumstances in the lives of his people. In fact, Jesus promised just the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, what? You will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But who can tell me the very next statement out of his mouth? Anyone? But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't say... In this world, you have, have trouble, so good luck to you, better you than me. Deal with all that. No. He said, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the troubles. I have overcome even death on your behalf, so you don't have to handle any of it on your own. Yes, you're going to have troubles, Jesus said. And yes, I am bigger and better and stronger than any trouble you will ever have. And so, friends, that's good news because the pressure is off of you and me. You don't have to handle it all on your own. 
God won't give you more than you can handle. Let me tell you a story. There is no such thing as a burden that he can't handle. So we're good. Trouble's going to come. It is. You're going to face illness. You're going to be betrayed by somebody that you care about. You're going to watch your kids make bad decisions. And you're going to have your heart broken. You're going to have trouble. And sometimes that trouble is going to be more than you can bear on your own. But let me tell you what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am with you. And he says, I've overcome the world. So I can handle it all. We see examples of this over and over and over again in the scriptures where the people couldn't handle it, but God could. God came through for them. So here are two. The first one, people of Israel, as they were fleeing from Egypt, who were chasing after them, came upon an insurmountable obstacle, the Red Sea. I can assure you that there was not one single person that would have been able to handle that situation because it looked hopeless. Okay, it looked like the end for the people of Israel. It looked like the people of God were either going to die by drowning in the Red Sea or they were going to die at the hands of the ensuing army that was coming from behind after them. You think that was more than they could handle? I do too. I do too. Do you think that was more than God could handle? Absolutely not. It was not more than God could handle. And God provided a way, didn't he? He took the impossible and he made it possible. He took a situation that was utterly hopeless and he gave his people hope. God took what Israel couldn't handle and God handled it. And let's not forget, this is so important for you and me to remember, that God used one of them, that would be Moses, to help the others overcome that impossible burden. Example number two. How about the disciples when they were standing there looking at 5,000 hungry men and their families and all they had to feed them with was little boy's lunch. Okay, five little rolls and two sardines. More than they could handle? Yeah, it was. More than God could handle? No way. Because Jesus took that little boy's lunch and he blessed it and he put it in the hands of the disciples who through God's power and blessing fed every single one of those people. God handled what the disciples couldn't and he used the disciples in the handling of that impossible circumstance. I could go on and on. There's so many in the Bible, but you get the point, right? When you can't handle it, God can. God can and God does. And so I wonder how many of us can look back at the times of our lives and see that God did, in fact, help us through unbearable things. That's been a theme of my life. I can't but God can. I can't on my own, but God places somebody in my midst and in my path who can help me do it and help me make a way where I couldn't see that there was a way. I couldn't. And then suddenly, because of God, I could and I did. How about you?
There's one more thing that I want to do with this phrase. Remember, we often say it because we want those who are struggling to feel better. But I want us not just to feel better, friends. I want us to be better. And how do we do that? Three simple things that we can do when life circumstances are greater than we can bear on our own. The first one is this. Depend on God's presence. There is a very great danger that befalls you and me when we're able to handle all of our trials and our difficulties on our own because we start to depend on ourselves. The bills need to be paid. Okay, I'll just bang out a couple of shifts of overtime, make a few extra bucks. The kids get into trouble. Okay, I'll just go schmooze it over with the teacher and make sure everything's going to be okay. When something goes wrong, I'll just have to fix it, right? That's me. But what happens when you can't fix it? What happens when you lose your child? What happens when you get the news that someone you love is diagnosed with terminal cancer? What happens when you are literally crushed under the weight of intense suffering? What happens when you can't fix it? I'll tell you what happens. That's when we depend on God and not on ourselves. When all the things are going just great, and when we're able to handle our problems on our own, we forget about the God who loves us and who longs for us. But when things seem unbearable, when things are impossible and obstacles and circumstances are insurmountable, when, that's when we turn to God. That's when we remember that there's a God who's waiting and that there is a God who has promised that he will be with us during those unbearable times. He said, I will be with you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And sometimes, friends, it's only when we can't handle things on our own that we remember to turn to and depend on our Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul spoke about a thorn in his side. And we don't believe it was a literal thorn in his side. We believe that it was a circumstance or a thing, an affliction that Paul had to deal with and he just couldn't bear it on his own. And the Bible tells us that three times Paul begged God to take it away. And it was not taken away. It was not removed. But in the midst of all of that bearing of an unbearable burden... Paul learned to fully depend on his God. So that later he wrote, when I am weak, then I am strong. And I believe that what Paul was telling the church is that when Paul depended on Paul, he was weak and he failed. But when Paul stopped depending on Paul and Paul started depending on God, Paul was strong in the power and the might of God. Because what Paul couldn't handle, God could Psalm 145 reminds us that the Lord is near to all who call on him. Friends, we just got to remember to call on him. Stop depending on me and start calling on him. Psalm 23 reminds us that even though we go through the darkest valley, we don't have to be afraid because he goes with us. You and I can be better when our circumstances are unbearable, when we depend on God's presence with us. Because when I depend on God, he will walk with me. And when I depend on God, he will sustain me. And when I depend on God, he will call me close. And when I depend on God, he will comfort me. 
And he will draw me near. And he will remind me that I am his beloved and that he is good. Even in the midst of unbearable things. And that's when the joy of the presence of the Lord with me overshadows even the darkest and most difficult of times that are causing me pain. When things are unbearable, you and I can be better when we depend on God's presence with us and when we allow ourselves to experience God's power. What a sight it must have been for the people of Israel when they were standing there with the waters of the Red Sea before them and the onslaught of armed Egyptian soldiers behind them when suddenly the sea just stood up and parted for them, making a way where there had been none. It was God's power at work in their situation that opened a new path and that brought them hope in a hopeless situation. Those people experienced the power of our God. And I can only imagine what it was like for the followers of Jesus, what they must have felt having buried their beloved three days earlier in a tomb that was covered by a great stone. He had been their hope. And they thought that he was the one that was going to fix all their problems with Rome, but their hope was dead. Or was he? He was not. He was not because by the great power of God, our Lord Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. And when he was, every single trial, every single difficulty, every single unbearable circumstance became bearable and was rendered useless against us. Death was defeated. Sin was overcome. And suddenly our future became secure all by the power of God in the face of circumstances that we couldn't handle. And that's the same power that will carry you through the burdens of your life. It's the same power that will make a way when you thought there was none. And it's that same power that will take all things in your life and work them for the good. When you and I can't bear it anymore, that's when we experience the power of God in our lives to bear and to continue on and to fight and to find a way. When you and I just can't, that's the time when God places someone in our path who will help us. Remember, God used Moses to help the people of Israel. Moses didn't act in Moses' power, right? He acted in the power of God. And God used the disciples to feed the hungry. They didn't act in their own power. They acted in the power and the prompting of God. I'll never forget the day my life changed. It was several years ago. And I had the opportunity to talk to a teenage kid who was so dear to me, who was at the end of his rope and who couldn't bear anymore. And God allowed me to have a conversation with that boy. And words came out of my mouth that were not my words, but they were God's words. And I experienced God's power at work in the midst of a difficult circumstance. And what God did in me on that day was incredible. And it was powerful because God does great things in us when we allow his power to flow through us. 
Which brings me to the third way that you and I can be better when circumstances or or have been unbearable. And that is to be God's ambassador. Last year on a youth retreat, our kids heard the testimony of a man named Nick Vujicic. He was born without arms or legs. There he is. He knew that there was never any hope that he was going to get any arms or legs. And he was mocked and he was ridiculed as a kid because he looked different. And he was told he would never be able to play sports. I will tell you, you should see that man surf. He surfs and he swims and he plays soccer. He was told that he would never hold a job or that he would never even be able to hold his wife's hand were he lucky enough to get one because he had no arms and no legs. And it was more than that little kid could bear. So as a teenager, he tried to take his own life. But guess what? Without arms and legs, he wasn't even able to carry that out. And so then, by the grace of God, Nick found the Lord. And God placed people in Nick's life who encouraged him, who helped him, who spurred him forward and pointed him in the direction of God. And then Nick found that God gave Nick a voice that could speak from the depths of disappointment and hopelessness and bring hope to teenagers who feel like they're not good enough or they're not going to make it through. And I can't tell you how many millions and millions of lives have been impacted by that little armless and legless man who was spending his best life as an ambassador for God and it all blossomed from an insurmountable circumstance that God could. He went through some times that were unimaginably difficult. But then he used his experience to help others on behalf of the one who brought him through. And in doing so, Nick, he's being better. How many of you have been able to help another through a difficult circumstance that you once bore before? There's power in that. There's blessing in that. I encourage you, friends, to grab a hold of every opportunity to be an ambassador for the one who carried you through. When God puts it on your heart, maybe you ought to call such and such a person. Call them. When God lays it on your heart, you ought to pray for this person. Pray for them. Embrace it and be God's ambassador. May I encourage you today, friends, that even though this life will give you more than you can handle, it is never more than God can handle on your behalf. And he will carry you through and he will strengthen you and he will even give you a purpose on the other side. Depend on God's presence. Experience God's power. Be God's ambassador. Remember our friend Annie I told you about at the beginning who lost her parents, her career, her siblings, her health, her dreams all in one foul swoop? Her full name was Annie Johnson Flint. Maybe change that, Matt, do you mind? Yeah, she is. Annie Johnson Flint. And from her wheelchair in that sanitarium, she wrote poem after poem after poem about the goodness of God, which, uh, when used as her voice to the public, carried many people through circumstances and brought hope and encouragement to many who were enduring unbearable things. And the most famous poem that she ever wrote is this. It's called God Hath Not Promised. You may recognize that it was fit to music and is now a beloved hymn. And the words are like this. God hath not promised skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. 
but God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. Friends, when our skies are not blue, let's just not feel better. Let's look to our God and be better. Amen.